Dean, how are we? Welcome back to another episode of the High Performance Coach Podcast. I hope all is good in your world. Uh, today, I am joined by the leadership whisperer, uh, which I'll let him explain uh, over the course of today. Uh, Philip is an incredible human uh, that I've only known very briefly. We were speaking at an event together. Uh, we connected on an incredible level. Uh, what he was able to provide me in terms of insight and also to challenge me in a really powerful way off the back of the uh, talk that I delivered just amplified just the respect and the appreciation, the love, and also just the sheer class and quality and expertise that this now uh, incredible human possesses. So I'm really excited to delve a little bit deeper and explore um, the lessons, the stories, the insights, and of course, uh, all things kind of leadership development, uh, which we are going to step into. So Mr. Phil Brady, how the devil are you? Uh, I'm the best, kind intro, appreciate it, and uh, much love in return. Thank you. Thank you, my good sir. How is uh, how is November going? <laughs> November is going well. Uh, shout out to all the men. Uh, we stand together uh, and I'm running. I'm becoming a runner during the month, Joe. So I'm running. I'm committed to running 60 kilometers. So in the month, which is zero to 60 kilometers for me, because I don't really enjoy running. Um, your, your stories are putting me to shame, but I'm going to grow towards it. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's a challenge it's a commitment but hey we go forward yeah superb mate and this is going to be the beginning of uh you said to me in a call yesterday for of, a, of an ironman pending for next year yeah before myself and my wife katie have kids or think about it uh, i need to prioritize recovery if i want to train for something big because that will not happen if we have kids uh so i'm like here let's aim for something big i've done endurance events in the past i've done some big cycles and stuff so it's time just to test out and stretch into into running and swimming as well. I did four lengths in the pool the other day. So I'm literally starting from zero with running and with swimming, but we'll get there. Um, I, I trust in my ability to get there. Yeah, mate, absolutely. I think uh, running, you can kind of almost like get yourself through because it's almost this natural, natural evolutionary thing that you uh, you have you have within you and it's, it's easier. Whereas the swim side of things, that was exactly the same, mate. I've only just got my frosty badge level 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 <laughs> one and I'll, I'll never forget the first day the day that i got back into the pool when i was training for an iron man and i did one length and i was blowing and then was questioning how am i going to do this and there was just these like kids that were just flying yep. up and down this lane and i just felt i just felt yeah just horrendous uh because i just realized how much i had to kind of climb and ascend but an incredible journey and a great way to be a student again so buddy excited to see that so mate Let's delve into you and let's go upstream. What do we now need to know about uh, Phil Brady to understand now why you do what you do? So the one line summary was when I was 12, roughly 12, my mom gave me a Tony Robbins book and I learned the power of the mind, the body, the emotions, all that kind of stuff from that book. A year later at 13, so I moved from Dublin to Navan, County Mead um, with my family and a very close uh, loved one was suicidal uh, and I remember the tears on the floor in front of me in front of both of us we shared tears on the floor um, and I was just I had no answers for this person I only had questions and the ability to be present so at 13 and that this person is alive and well two kids and at, at that age it I think you can still kind of soak in stuff into your nervous system. I mean, my nervous system soaked in two things, being present and asking questions can save and change lives. So that's why I lean towards coaching. Um, and I've sought getting and collecting answers since then, but I will always default back to that kind of coaching approach of let's create space for people to feel safe within so that they can think about a different possibility for the future than they could see right now. And what was the path that that took you on? <laughs> uh, a thousand books around me, uh, <laughs> leaning into leaning into just developing as a coach. I mean, I, I read wide and deep. Uh, I've books on everything. I don't want to go deep just in coaching. I pay attention to looking out the window and walking out the door to live as well. Because I mean, I lived conceptually. So honestly, the path that led me down was just consume knowledge. And then I remember a quote from my friend. I invited him to my wedding. He's that good of a friend. Um, MJ Lennon from ECA in Belfast. 
Um, and he said to me, hell on earth is meeting the person that you could have been. And I realized I could have been much more of me, but I was living in books in the conceptual world and not in the real world, not in the embodied world. And so my path was then from from mental. And I mean, th this is this is sharing, honestly, Joe, the path, right, is out of conceptual into embodied and moving into the world, not just understanding it, because you can understand fine in, from a distance. And I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about nature and trees and the forest and stuff. I mean, it's really easy to be enlightened in the forest. Right. It's really easy to have all of this knowledge to actually have the conversation with life, which comes from embodying and acting into the world. That's very different. And that's that was my work. And that's been my journey for the last uh, however many years I uh, qualified as a coach in 2013. Uh, I joined one of the top three largest banks in the world and did some work in leadership development there. I did some coaching at an extremely senior level. Um, there for years, uh, built up some really good experience and relationships. And that's kind of helped me transition now to running my own business. I coach on the ECA mastermind as well to PTs and gym owners from around the world. And I'm excited to be uh, more authentically embodying the kind of person that I wished I was years ago. Uh, and that's been quite profound as a cool path to be on. And hey, it's only getting started. You asked me yesterday how I was. I says I'm calm and content because I know I'm on the journey. Wherever I'm going, I know it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, it's good path. It's always dark, but there's always light along the way when you look back. So yeah, it's been kind of cool. I love that. And I was actually going to ask, like, what are the shifts that you've now seen more recently with that with that level of awareness? So obviously more calm and control. Has there been anything else that you really feel as though has come to light that you've now been able to embody through this process? I think so. When we talked yesterday, I mean, it's that word courage. Uh, so courage. So, so my I have multiple mentors, I have multiple coaches, I have two therapists and lots of people around me. I used to carry literally, and this came up in therapy. I used to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and my lower back gave way. So now I take more responsibility for what's mine to hold. So the shifts that that's allowed from letting down everybody else's stuff is profound. I am lighter on my feet, literally, right? Um, but I think it's just courage is from the French word care, which is heart. And if you can wholeheartedly do your work and show up to the people in front of you, we can talk about there's like a spiritual aspect to that. I'm not religious. I'm not really spiritual, but there's some really good lessons from spirituality around that. Typically, we'll close our heart to individuals we encounter. We resist them. We resist ourselves. But actually having that kind of open hearted, wholehearted uh, relationship and conversation with the world that's where the depth and the connection and the, you said love, I mean, where the love lives and we need more of that in the world. We need less people closing off to each other because that's what causes all of the challenges that we see around us. We don't need to look far, right? So that's a shift, being a little bit more courageous, a little bit more open-hearted, a little bit more um, embodying the stuff that I talk about, but also being able to role model and invite other people to the same possibility. How might you more wholeheartedly show up to your life? as a leader, as a human, as an individual, as a family member, as a friend, colleague, son, daughter, whatever that looks like. That's been kind of cool. And then I think it's just um, the big shift for me at the moment, and we can talk about this as well, is just around um, vision for the future. Um, if you read Lost Connections by Johan Harry, one of the things that causes depression and anxiety is not having a um, positive future to live into. And I heard a quote, I was at a business conference this week and um a guy oleg uh Konovov, the da vinci of visionary leadership he said uh, we need to talk about that actually the da vinci of leadership whispering right let's talk about that <laughs> <laughs> that's another that's another episode 100 yes but he said a uh, vision isn't a point it's a space because i've always struggled with creating that vision of the future because i felt it contained possibility when instead it can be a space that you live into. And that just, I mean, again, goosebumps, that that's the key that unlocked things on Wednesday, two days ago. It's profound. 
Um, so that's some of what's happened on the path. Mate, I absolutely love that. And you obviously said as well, like a huge part of this is obviously now being able to facilitate the space to now be able to help others kind of enroll and step obviously into this. Um, and obviously now you being the facilitator of that in obviously your kind of line of work and having worked with obviously a lot of uh, high-performing uh, individuals. What have been some of the um, traits and characteristics of those individuals that you've now seen that you're now really looking to kind of explore and open up to new possibility uh, in obviously the the roles and responsibilities that they've been operating within. So the traits and characteristics of some of like the, the best that I've seen or that I work with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, an, an openness. Uh, I mean, one individual, for example, I was extremely intimidated by initially when we first started having conversations, runs a multiple, multiple billion dollar business. And I did not know a lot of the work that we can do as coaches to individuals that are high performing is comparison. Can I actually serve this individual in front of me? I got lost in the comparison and then I found myself very quickly because I had done the work on it a while before that and his openness to me and to the value that as in his words someone so young can be so wise and he said it blows his mind he gets topped up with energy but he stays open to it and I mean that openness is profound and I think we don't uh, we don't honor those kind of things enough and I think we could do it a little bit more Openness is one. Uh, I I think so. Let me just differentiate by gender, just for a moment. I, I would say that there's a very strong tendency to be empathetic for any of the women leaders that I'm working with, and what we've tried to do because you can burn out from too much empathy, is to move towards compassion. So compassion is empathy plus action. You can soak in too much of what you empathize from the other individuals that you're, again, in a day. I think it's 30,000. No, it's, like, it's, it's thousands of interruptions a day. It's probably hundreds of thousands of, like it's thousands of emails a day for some of these individuals to soak in and be empathetic to all of that without monitoring your own, like regulating your own ability or grounding is difficult. I mean, I'm I'm trained in doing it, but it's not easy. You have to work at it. It's a practice. Um, so moving from empathy to compassion means that they won't burn out. So that's a quality that can be a detriment. Same with openness, right? You have to make a decision at some point. You can't be open to everything, right? But with openness and, and empathy, there's a, a balance to each of those things. Then I think it's just people that are willing to work hard. Um, and some of what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to connect people to, and this is why, I mean, I know what we're going to talk about is related to physiology, right? But um, can I tell you about a story about leadership that I think will bring this home? The space is yours. So there's a book called You Squared by Price Pritchett, I think it is. He's a PhD. And the story is that there's this fly banging into a window and it's relentlessly just banging into the window. And you can hear this kind of like the, the zip and the, the, the banging into the window relentlessly, right? And the fly will die having tried the same tactic to achieve its goal of getting outside the window. Relentlessly banging in. It will die on the window ledge, right? What it doesn't realize is there's an open door about 10 feet away. So it doesn't have to go far to this open door. And the fly is under the illusion, if I try harder, I'll achieve my goal. When actually, if it paused long enough and explored other possibilities, there is an open door to achieve the same goal. So often we get trapped working harder when, yes, there's an open opportunity or a thing that would be more useful and more productive. And I believe leadership the best leadership that I've seen are the ones that can lean. So let me tell you the second part of that story. And then I'll tell you why it links to leadership. The second part of the story is the pain of banging into the window is a known pain. 
It's habitual. We know what to expect. It gives us an element of certainty. The open door is an unknown benefit. And so we would rather a known pain than lean into uncertainty. Leaders are those that can lean into uncertainty and uh, help people behind them feel safe. Safe enough to trust the leader to also do the same thing, right? And I think that that's what leadership is. And I mean, it links to the, the body. How safe do you feel? How safe and regulated can you make your body lean into that vision of the future? And are you willing to open the door for other people to walk through as well? Because you're not a leader if you've no followers. Uh, so you must create a space behind you where other people feel safe enough to walk into uncertainty with you. I love that story about the the fly in the window, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that'll be listening. Be like, I've been, I've been, I've been that, I've been that fly. And again, it feels safe and it feels comfortable, and it just feels known. And even though you're just comfortably uncomfortable, and yes. I think that almost like keeps you, like I said, protected. And also, like if I speak about myself, like within what you've communicated, it's like, well, if you now look back, it's like, well, this is what success now looks like because I've gone from like. I use my Joe language, a, a nobody and nothing to now maybe a bit of a something. And now you're almost kind of operating from this sunk cost fallacy because you're almost playing not to lose because now again, your identity has almost now become wrapped obviously in that. Uh, and it feels then obviously uncertain and yeah. uncharted territory when you step into obviously something that does make you feel uh, uncomfortable because again, it's out with that zone of actually, well, I did A, I did B, I did C and I then got to D. So Surely that's the same thing that I'm now going to continue to repeat, but it's then realizing what's taking you from where you were to where you are, won't take you from where you are to now where you want to be. So when we're looking at stepping into this uncertainty, what are some of the key uh, principles or, or, or things that you now believe that leaders now need to have in place to be able to operate within that uncertainty? Well, can I tell you another story? Uh, so the other story is about albatross birds. And you can read about this in David White's book, Crossing the Unknown Sea, Work as a Pilgrimage of Identity. And he was a, I think he's some kind of like a marine biologist or studied animals anyway. He's a beautiful poet. Uh, his poetry is stunning. Uh, he's from Wales. Um, and he talks about these uh, albatross birds, which are like majestic birds. They're, they're some of the longest flying birds across the seas of the world, right? So these birds can fly for weeks on end. Majestic creatures, all this kind of stuff. They, once a year, fly back and will mate on the Galapagos Islands. They'll do this kind of beak, uh, uh, kind of uh, slapping against each other. They'll mate and then the females will lay eggs. The eggs will hatch. And these tiny little cute plump uh, albatross birds emerge from the shells. And over a couple of weeks, they feel this instinctual drive. And the drive is to run towards the cliff and bet on their wings. So there's a day that comes. So there's a couple of weeks before where they're kind of running towards and running back, running towards and running back and running towards. And then there's a day where they go, no, I'm going to bet on my wings. And why it's so difficult and why it creates so much uncertainty is because you could die, or at least your body thinks that it could, with anything that we're talking about here. Backing yourself to lead and lean into uncertainty, your body will take it as you could die. But you could also fly. And we forget that part of the equation. Your body's instinct will always default to survival first. Uncertainty is felt as threat to survival first. But you have an innate need to also be who you are. And so it just depends how you can regulate enough that you can continue to move forward despite the fear showing up and being present. So you don't show courage in the absence of those fears. You show and develop courage in the presence of those fears. So betting on your wings and being able to lean into that uncertainty is... So uncertainty will show up in a chaotic heart rate variability. Your heart rate variability will show a chaotic signal because it experiences the uncertainty as a threat. The way to regulate, and this is why physiology will underpin every kind of result or habit or behaviors that we talk about, right? 
So if you are not in a regulated state, so for example, you're doing it now, I've been doing it while I've been listening to you talk, we're regulating our nervous systems by paying attention to the most basic thing that we all have access to, probably our breathing, right? Inhale triggers sympathetic, exhale triggers parasympathetic. If you are in a stressful, uncertain, and need to lean into or move forward with that uncertainty and stress, extending your exhales is a foundational thing to pay attention to. There's other ways to do it, but as a as a minimum and the most accessible, it's really useful. Then it's just getting clear on the emotions. Like what are the emotions that you're feeling? And typically we'll experience what's called edge emotions at that edge of our comfort zone, at that cliff, at that comfort zone or the conversation with life, the conversation with that cliff where we're like, no, we're going to back our wings. And in that kind of contact point with life versus just reading about these things, at that conversation, if you rub up against anything, you'll generate heat. The heat that we experience is typically a higher energy, but if you add the stress to it, it's going to feel like anxiety. It's going to feel a little bit like, like a, 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 an uncomfortable emotion. So just getting clear on those emotions as a signal to say, this is me at my edge. This is I'm growing. This is me I'm developing. Not a reason to retreat. Not a reason that I'm bad. You're just developing. So it's to move those emotions to some extent to understand them, number one, feel them, number two, but also just move them to the passenger seat and say, thanks for coming along. I'm not going to push you away. I'm glad you're here. Make friends with them. Because often when we feel those, we judge yourself as bad and we retreat. Don't. Lean into them a little bit more. Bring them along for the ride. Life will never not have those things. And if you're developing and you're stretching and you're not experiencing those things, you're probably not stretching enough. Welcome them. Embrace them. Hug them. They're just an experience. And typically we have these prejudgments, Joe, as well, that change the experience of those things. So it's not the thing, it's the thinking about the thing, any emotion, doubt, insecurity, fear, all the rest. Stress, oh, stress is bad. No, you can grow through stress. Stress is how you grow in the gym, right? You'll know this, everybody in the community will know this. Um, so physiology start with breathing. Emotions invite the emotions along. Feelings, label the emotions correctly. And typically what I would invite people to do ahead of time, rather than when you need to perform, is cultivate positive emotions. So when you feel content or calm or happy or joy or laugh, whatever it needs to be, recognize what you're doing and then try and build a map so that you can recreate those emotions. We typically have a really accurate map of the negative emotional landscape. We typically don't have a map of the positive emotional landscape. Get a better map on that side of the equation. And funny that you'll experience it more often right? So cultivate it with intention. Yeah, I want to feel joy, contentment more often and attention. When they show up, notice what's going on. Mindfully pay attention to the experience. So then that's the feeling part. Then you get to thinking. So typically in uncertainty, you will experience what's called cognitive distortions. All or nothing, you'll go to binary decision-making. I'm all in or I'm moving home. Uh, you'll experience fortune telling. I'll predict everything that can go wrong. You'll experience things like a tunnel vision. So you'll focus on the smallest, worst thing rather than the 99,000 other things that are going on. Uh, like looking in the binoculars the wrong way around. Everything looks distorted, right? Uh, and then there's also this kind of like a, a narrowing, like literally I have a screenshot that I show in presentations. Uh, our vision narrows. We focus on the immediate thing in front of us rather than extending our vision to actually take in the forest. We can only see the individual tree. So again, it's just regulating our nervous system, emotionally understanding what we're experiencing and trying to trigger or kind of cultivate some of those other positive emotions. That's going to change or improve the signal to your mind to be able to think different thoughts because you'll be able to figure out that actually the story I'm telling about this thing yeah, I recognize that these distortions are playing out. How can I remind myself with questions uh, where I'm going, why I'm going there, who I'm going there with, and what I'm doing it for? I mean, if I ask you or anybody listening, what does a purple elephant dancing look like? Nobody was thinking about that before. Your attention can be trained away from what you don't want, but typically we don't have the vision or the image of what we do want to pay attention to. So just coming up with better quality questions will move you from the distortions to the more higher quality thinking. 
you're more likely then if you're in a positive mental state to move towards taking the actions that you know are helpful. So even just having a, I mean, if you have a journal, left-hand side of the page, unhelpful behaviors that take me to away from my intention, helpful behaviors on the other side, do more of those things more often on the right-hand side of the page, you'll probably get closer to your thing. Uh, that's like a ground up, body up uh, map or run through of some things. And then it's just the results will show up, but just enjoy the journey. It might take time. So we typically rush towards a future, bring some of that closer. Do you know what? Today I'm having a conversation with somebody that obviously is paying attention, cares about helping other people. Maybe that's part of the journey. Maybe that's the win for today. Bring progress a little bit closer and you'll find you'll have momentum and energy that will just pull you forward. Um, and then I think it's Phil Graham would say, I mean, have a vision greater than circumstance. Uh, it pulls us through more than we realize. Um, yeah, there's some things. And maybe one more thing, just time and nature. Uh, your nervous system will feel safe in nature. Typically we're back to back phones are distraction with like attentions are split. Um, more time in nature, no phone. Leave it on airplane mode if you need to. Your nervous system will feel safe in nature. Uh, all the kind of survival threat response will switch off. I walk most of the people that I work with in nature. Uh, I'm speaking to somebody today in Tampa. They will walk along the beach and I will take notes when we're having the conversation on WhatsApp. Uh, spend more time in nature. It's really good for us. And we are nature. We don't go back to nature. We are nature. We're part of it. And we forget that part too. We don't honor who we are. We don't honor what we are. We need to do it a little bit more. And everything will improve. May I absolutely love that. And I think when I think about the lessons that you've just imparted and the principles that you've now provided, I think whenever I look at when I'm at my best or whenever I'm now able to overcome any challenge is uh, problems and or potential like roadblocks that you're up against. So often it can just be easy just to think foot on the accelerator, more, 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 more. But whenever I now reflect and just take a step back, the capacity to now be able to solve that problem or look at it through a different lens has always now come through actually allowing yourself to have that space, but developing that relationship with allowing yourself to have that space because so often, again, I'm going to make an assumption, but a lot of people probably listen to this podcast is easy just to do. Uh, and again, it's been like kind of a foot to the accelerator has been the comfortable thing for like me, especially, but then actually allowing yourself to actually now go, right, okay, foot on the brake and exercise and challenge that relationship you have with that because within that moment, it does feel incredibly uncomfortable because you can tell yourself you're not working hard enough, you're being lazy, you feel guilty, you feel as though you should be doing more, you feel as though that everybody else is getting further ahead. You now start to think, well, okay, I'm now leaving so much on the table when in actual fact that you can now really start to challenge that thought process and actually allow yourself to sit within that. But what happens, and I found myself doing this before, was that whenever that discomfort came around, I just went back to what felt safe, which then went back into obviously that certainty and that safety of then just doing, whether that's not scrolling on your phone, whether that's not looking and solving and just trying to find puzzles and problems to fix because that feels comfortable. And within that place, it's like, you're not really allowing yourself the opportunity to move forwards, but actually exercising that relationship with being bored and actually allowing yourself to actually think, I think is one of the most underrated and underappreciated uh, tools that we now have as, as, as individuals. And I mean, I, so, I mean, the question then in response to that, I'll tell you, I'll ask you the question and then I'll tell you a story in response to it. So the question is, are you the fly or are you the leader? Right. That's the question to ask yourself in those moments. Am I doing fly behaviors or habits or routines? And I mean, there's an identity piece that we'll get to as well. I mean, it feels good to solve, even if they're small problems, it feels great. It reinforces, do you know what? I'm good at something. Because in uncertainty, you don't yet know what you're good at or not. And you're typically not because you're not done, you've not done it before. Um, I, I was I get sent people to speak with, and one of the guys, young entrepreneur, very young, but very driven, super like super driven, roughly 22, 23, goes by G. And had a conversation with him. And he told me, like, I, I, I know roughly what I'm doing next week, but after that. Not really, not really do I know what's going on. He had the next roughly two to three months planned down to every five minutes. And I'm like, mate, we have time right now. We had an hour call scheduled. 
look outside the window and tell me what way the clouds are moving. And he found it incredibly uncomfortable. And I'm like, that's your homework. Schedule five minutes looking at the clouds. Life is passing you by and you're busy doing, not being. And I mean, that's the shift. You can do all you want, but life is the experience and the experience of being is in the moment. And we don't pay attention to it. And it passes us by. And I have a friend. This is where I get my wisdom. She's 96. She says, Philip, it goes so fast. So we talk about nature. I mean, nature moves at the speed of life. We've moved onto a hamster wheel pace. Um, slowing down to the speed of life. Watching the clouds go past. Spending time in nature. The time you cannot... Time expands because it's at a slower rate. You can't see the day and daylight fading and coming. Uh, you can see the leaves falling. You can hear the branches crackling and stuff, but that's a very different rate from the seconds and minutes that go past. When was the last time you were focused on being, not just doing? Are you being a fly or are you being the leader? That's the invitation. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the great thing and the beautiful thing that I love is that it's uncomfortable. It's it's uncomfortable doing the being because it's so used to now doing and it's challenging that. And I was working with a leadership coach for a little while. And uh, one of the big things that we were able to kind of extract with me was actually like, I am at my best with spontaneity. Like actually mm. I am I'm very driven, going, doing, uh, okay, energizing, etc but actually like i if i now want to be able to develop myself as a better leader which is a huge commitment uh, and something that i'm trying to obviously hone in and improve my kind of craft um which is of course a process and a never-ending one um was yeah like how can i now have like non-bound just no structure just allow myself just to be able to have this spontaneity because within that spontaneity is really where my excellence lies but you're so used and accustomed to, again, driving, energizing, that that obviously feels incredibly uncomfortable. So when you do look at diary or whatever, and you're like, well, everything is not now planned or aligned or everything's not now kind of down to the absolute hour and minute, it then almost can make you feel like that unnervy and that can really drive that uncertainty feeling. And again, default is comfort. Oh, let me just go and plan something. Let me go and do something. What am I missing? What am I not... And one of the biggest things that changed the game for me was like, your business is always going to be broken. Um, and I even think about it through the lens of like me, and this isn't now in a, like a self-deprecating way, but it's like, I am always going to be broken in the sense of there's always going to be something that I need to do. And if I now don't allow yourself to actually have those boundaries and actually exercise, giving yourself the time to be able to go, right, okay, this is now where I shift gears there's always going to be something that's ahead of you. And there's always going to be something you could dip yourself into. So it's actually exercising a relationship with that uh, spontaneity, um, which I think is so key and so integral. And when I've raised awareness around that, I allowed myself to step into that exactly as you communicated. It's just allowed you just to see a completely different way of thinking. And we spoke yesterday about linear thinking versus exponential thinking. And I would love for you to kind of explore and let's open that door. Yeah, I mean, so, and I mean, there's better thinkers than me on all of this stuff, right? So Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, he would say 10x is easier than 2x. So linear change is playing with reality to some extent, right? And improving reality as it is. Um, 10x thinking is transformational, which is what is the 20% that actually moves us forward and how might we remove so for example the 20 percent for you then is spon spontaneous stuff it's playing in spontaneity or the uncertainty in the future a lot of people will experience that as fearful and not planned and not organized so they like they're nervous and can't even handle that right so this is the value of difference as well and surrounding yourself with the people that balance or offset some of what you've like you don't need to spend time ordering you need to spend time playing and I think the other thing that happens here uh, before we talk about the 10X thing is schedule that time because it won't show up. The day-to-day -day, as a leader will drag you into the present. 
you must schedule time for the future. Typically, my advice is always early so that you're not reactive to today and then trying to think about the future. There's a really simple model for like mindset coaching or performance coaching. And it's GROW. GROW stands for goal, reality, options, or will. It's deliberately goal first, not reality first, because you do not want to reduce or narrow what you're capable of thinking you're capable of with the goal based on reality. You do not do ergo. It makes a terrible acronym and it just limits the future that you aim for, right? But with 10X, it's a, what can you cast off? And we get really, uh, whenever we think of loss or um, endings, like ending a part of your identity or ending a part of what you used to do, um, we we would rather accumulate than edit who we are. Um, and so paying attention to the activities that will drive you forward can be hard to let go of because uh, they've reinforced your identity. They've reinforced part of your confidence. But the sooner you're able to do that and um, kind of go beyond the containers of the past, you can kind of live into the spaciousness of the future. So getting clear on those containers, what is the 80% that you may not need to do yourself? You could delegate or offset, like whatever you need to do to get rid of it. But where is your zone of genius? Where are the things that will transform you forward, but also for your business? Like we, we probably don't think about the value uh, enough. Uh, we think about features and this kind of product stuff. And sometimes it's helpful just to think a little bit beyond that. Um, I don't know if there was another part about that that you were thinking about from the conversation yesterday. I'm trying to go through my mind for the other no, part. There's definitely something. I, I just can't remember. I think you just, when we had the conversation yesterday, you're communicating obviously surrounding, uh, obviously like linear thinking is kind of comfortable. And we just now, that just becomes a name. It just becomes this kind of structured thing that we just now typically do. Um, instead of now actually allowing yourself the, again, time, space to now be able to like, think uh with an obviously different different realms because it feels so comfortable just to sit within what you've always known you know so i think that that was the uh the really powerful thing for me and i was watching your uh ted talk a little while ago and a, and a great visual that you did was you use the uh the, the band to just mm. kind of convey tension and obviously the conflict that now can kind of come up uh between obviously kind of like <sighs> I suppose the different roles and responsibilities, different hats and the, the identity and, and the kind of reality lack potentially. Yeah, I mean, the 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 visual was just to, and I mean, you heard that person, somebody in the audience come up to me afterwards. So just to explain, if you haven't seen the TEDx, um, I, I worked in corporate for years. I left corporate. So the tension for me to express who I was while I was within corporate felt like this, just uncomfortable dissonance. So I had somebody hold up a, it's like an exercise band, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Between two yeah. hands. So I got somebody up from the, the audience. I don't even know if I was allowed to do that, but ask for forgiveness, not permission, right? So I had had this lady stretch the band apart and I just said, just wait. And so she had to hold this tension and eventually it kind of clapped uh, together. She couldn't hold the tension anymore. And I mean, we're always navigating that kind of sense of, a dissonance or, or or discomfort um and it depends our response to it do we retreat back to safe and certain or do we lean into courageously and wholeheartedly into the uncertain future where we could get the benefit and express again who we are and back our wings back who we are right um yeah i tried to just because because everybody can feel that Joe, right? That kind of tension. Everybody notices it. I'm not being who I am. So then you just have to pay attention to it. And when do I feel most, most me? Uh, it's a space. It's not a single point. It's a space. What is that space where you feel like you belong uh, within yourself? And I mean, there's depths to identity we can play with, but um, yeah. What do you think the challenge is when it comes to authenticity and allowing people to be who they are uh, we're in a world that tells us to be somebody else or we'll be fine when you buy my product you'll be uh happy successful what is it if information was the problem we'd all have six packs and be millionaires it's not a it's not information that's the thing um 
I think it's just the world tells you to be different. And but I mean, authenticity is also. So so I mentioned earlier on, I, I've a couple of supervisors, a couple of coaches, two therapists, and different people that support me as kind of mentors. One of my uh, supervisors is a kind of Carl Jungian trained psychotherapist. Um, and he would say that you can't actually develop authenticity on your own. You develop authenticity in relationship to other people. Because, for example, your background is like a dark shade of gray, maybe slightly black, minus white. So there's a contrast. So then we can find our place between the two. That's only because we're having this conversation and I can see your background. So we forget that it's in relationship with other people. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's not so easy when there's difference and there's tribalism and all those kind of needs for us to belong kick in and we see difference, we'll push them away. But how might we include it a little bit more so we can be more who we are, not less instead of being threatened by difference. How might you invite it to help you find out who you are in response to it? Um, yeah, we're in a world that tells us to be different, that tells us not to be who we are. Um, we get lost in it and we resist and we resent the world for pushing back on it. But um, it's also a stage in development. So Joe sent me through questions for today's conversation, just for anybody listening, right? Helps me place my thinking. And one of the stages in development, if you think about a kid growing up, they get told good boy, good girl by their parents for doing good or not doing good. So that's socialized. You take who you are and your belonging and your love and your survival from the people around you. So you externalize approval. Approval gets linked to survival and belonging. And so then you grow up and you spend time with, like as a teenager in school, oh, I have to listen to Miley Cyrus or Taylor Swift. Who do I prefer? I want to listen to uh, Ashley Tisdale. I'm just uh, sharing annoying people that my wife will hate me being able to sing all the songs off, right? And then you get get to a point in college or work or whatever where you're like actually i don't want to go drinking at the weekends that's not who i am anymore but you had a really strong sense of belonging from spending time with those groups of people so you have to kind of self-author it's called in development the seven stages um and self-authoring is hard because initially you're the only one listening to Ashley Tisdale when all your mates are listening to Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift. So there's a loneliness, but that's only because you haven't found the tribe of people that listen to Ashley Tisdale. That looks like there's two, Joe. You're nodding, right? You recognize her name. <laughs> Somebody else appreciates my taste in music. And uh, that can be lonely. It can be hard until you find your new tribe or new kind of sense of belonging. But again, you'll feel more of who you are. You just have to give up some of that sense of approval. Then you get to the stage where you realize that almost self-identity that you've created can also be containing. Um, and you'll start pushing up against the limits of that because you're like, I actually don't want to listen to Ashley Tisdale all the time. I want to introduce Chris Stapleton or uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley's dad, right? Just as an example. So you do what's called self-transformation, which is where you play with or kind of all that you've authored. You're not seeing as fixed or a container you're seeing it as possibility that you can rewrite continually there will be an ungrounding in that that will feel a little bit again it's uncertain it's out that like that is out that door this is why not everybody hits that and there's levels above this again uh but stepping away from the crowd choosing who you are is difficult but we only know in relation to the crowd and then you get to contrast against your own thinking. There's like an internal contrast that you're able to do. No, a bit less of this, a bit more of this. Uh, and then the world is your oyster because you're more independently thinking than a lot of people that just get lost in leather jacket wearing and not actually being who they are. Um, yeah, it's powerful uh, to pay attention to those things. Um, and authenticity, again, it's in relationship to other people. And then you can kind of find who you are in relationship to that. I think that transition phase... Yeah, I'll make 100%. I think it's that transition phase that's obviously, this is usually the most unnerving and the most uncertain because you've let go, but you've not latched on. Yes. And you're in that kind of, you're in that, it, and that's where then you're, you've got to search and look for certainty. Like, and certainty then comes through actually, then what are the behaviors that are now going to regulate physiology? And you can now start to build that confidence, obviously, within yourself 
um, which is obviously going to come through competency of backing and trusting yourself in what it is that you now believe in and what it is that you now wholeheartedly stand for. Um, because that's now going to be the thing when you close the door at night, that is going to be the very thing that allows you to go to bed at night and go, right, okay, yeah, I've, I've done the thing, you know, and I've now been able to behave my way to now where I want to be. Even if I now didn't feel like it, I didn't feel comfortable. There was uncertainty. Uh, there was fear. There was a whole host of different kind of emotions and, and thoughts and feelings surrounding that. And it's being able to like exercise that. And then I think, look back at the bright spots because there are always these kind of breadcrumbs, but it's so easy for us just to be able to overlook those. And you talked about this earlier, go back into the, uh, the negative. It's easy for us to able to go and find those kind of maps instead of actually now looking at the maps of the positives. Because mm. I think sometimes you almost like normalize those or you just think, ah, yeah, whatever. You don't actually fully accept and appreciate that it was you that had done that. And you then think it's luck or you think it's insert whatever, um, instead of actually now really truly owning that. And so I do think it's that transition phase where you almost like kind of go on that hero's journey, I suppose, that does feel uncomfortable until you then either find a guide or then you actually now develop a follower because it's that first follower that then really makes you the, the, the leader. But that takes, you said in a conversation yesterday, like bravery um, in order for you to be able to now step out of step out of that container. But it is that like where and what does give me certainty and how can I now live within that like one meter square? Because when like uncertainty is the only certainty, I think it's being able to develop an existential relationship with that. And that's the price of growth. That's the cost of growth and progress is uncertainty, volatility, uh, challenge. And I think it's being able to become more okay with that. And the ones that can exercise the relationship with those feelings, thoughts, emotions are the ones that now have uh, the capacity to now be able to move past that, um, I believe, and expand their capacity to be able to tolerate more of that. Well, and it's back to, I mean, everything is uncertain. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the next six minutes, right? It, like, so, so it's not to judge uncertainty as bad. It's to change the meaning or the story around it. Mm. Uncertainty is life. Yeah. And I mean, if we think about the yin-yang symbol, I mean, this is what I try to remind people. I am not a positive thinking uh, advocate or person or whatever. I'm a balanced perspective person right? There will always be dark side, but there will always be upside too. So just have a balanced view of your life. Do not expect only good. Self-doubt, all that kind of stuff will show up. But then again, you get the offset off courage, capability, confidence that comes from leaning into that kind of stuff. Widening our perspective or our expectation of life and changing the story of what life and experiencing life means makes a massive difference. And I mean, if you want the 10.0 level of navigating and feeling okay in uncertainty. It is just to let go of the I am, uh, I am a uh, coach, I am or whatever, and just land on I am. Just ground yourself in being aware, being alive within all of the identity statements, the sensations, the emotions, the thoughts, the feelings, the perception, all that kind of stuff. Grounding yourself there, it takes time, but you can, no matter what's going on around you, Nothing will sway you because you are aware and everything beyond that is just an experience of life and the moment in front of you. Uh, it's a little bit out there, but I mean, this is what the Buddhists teach us. This is what the every religion will land on to some extent is this kind of just sense of presence and consciousness. Uh, waking up at by Sam Harris, just some cool thinking around this. Um, but when you can let go of some of the containers that you'll see as an individual will uh, they'll limit possibility uh, grounding yourself in that just i am aware allows you to play as you play in uncertainty with everything and that's fun uh, and it's the place that we should experience life from and it's possible and open to everybody i love that mate we need to uh, close loops and uh, we need to finish up. But one thing that I want to do before we do that is just talk about, uh, I was speaking on a training this morning about personal brand and how we identify then things with people. Uh, and one thing that I, that I identify you with is trees. Uh, mm -hmm. like when I now think of you, I now think uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind is trees. So tell me a little bit more around your um, love and uh, relationship with trees. 
so the the one line summary so that you get to your call and we get to our calls right is we are built to be around trees what they breathe out oxygen we breathe in what we breathe out co2 uh, they breathe in. They take that as fuel. We take what they give out as fuel. We're built to be around nature. Nervous system feels safe. We can think longer term, more strategically, more altruistically when we're safe or feel safe. Um, but the, there's there's two other things. So one is just nature gives to everything around it. It gives and it receives. There's a reciprocal relationship. There's a, a feeling of belonging and connection that just goes deeper than mine or yours. There's a mycelium network that connects everything in nature. Some of them are thousands of years old. That's some. So they actually call it a wood wide web. And I thought that was hilarious, right? There's also this thing called inosculation. And literally, if you Google that word, inosculation, there's a big tree and a smaller tree. And literally the smaller tree has been cut. The root is gone or the branch, the, the kind of grounding is gone. The other tree is feeding it and they're giving to each other, but they hibernate together. They, in, in summer, they kind of wake up together. Trees teach us to be seasonal. It's not going to be summer all the time. There is a benefit to hibernation and recovery. That's parasympathetic activity. That's vitamin P. The more we recover, the more we can work and the more quality our work will be. Less working hard like the fly, more leading into the open possibility of the future. And then I think the third one is just uh, the speed of life that they invite us to think about. We race to the future doing what we did today or did doing what repeating what we did yesterday. Trees will invite you to slow down to the speed of life. And I think that the more time you spend in nature, the better you will feel, the more grounded you will feel, and the more you'll be reminded you are nature. You don't need to return to nature. The more you can bring that to your work, I think the better everyone will be. And everybody you work with, you uh, you plant a tree, correct? Yeah. And how many trees have you planted so far? Uh, Eighty-seven this year. Superb. And what um what's the uh what's what's the uh the the, the vision? The vision is a million trees before I die. There's six pound a tree at the moment in the Highlands of Scotland. So a million trees before I die. I'm taking donations. If you want to donate a tree, I'll send you the link to my uh, my, my, my plot. <laughs> Mate, I love that. And listen, dude, I would love to now be able to uh, do this again and continue to build upon this conversation because there's so many different avenues uh, that we can now go down. I think there's so much depth and there's obviously so much wisdom. But mate, for anybody that wants to actually find out a little bit more about you and uh, even kind of hear more about what it is that you do, mate, where's the best place for them to go? Just Instagram is Vitamin P Coaching. LinkedIn uh, and Facebook is Philip Brady. Honored to speak to you, Joe. Thanks for thoughtful questions, thoughtful uh, connection and much love. Dude, it's been an absolute honor. It's been amazing to watch the, the growth and the evolution. Uh, you've already brought so much to my world and to my life and the relationship we've had thus far. And, uh, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how we can continue to uh, expand and grow together moving forward. So, team, I hope you're able to take some value from today and I uh, look forward to catching up with you on another episode. Speak soon.